0: In this episode, I feature Sean Green. Sean is a techie who is in the business of art. Sean is CEO and co-founder of Arturnal, the first technology company to focus exclusively on bringing client relationship management technology to the art world. Essentially, he works with art professionals that need tools to help them focus on what they do best, which is sell art and deepen relationships with their clients. In this episode, we learn another aspect of what drives the art world. Welcome and enjoy. So, Sean Green from r Turnal. It's so good to interview you today. (laughs) Glad to be here. We're living in a very interesting time. So let's just jump into it. So you you run a company. You're the founder of a company by the name of r Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to educate listeners about the combination of art and fintech. Tell us about that technology, uh, what motivated you to launch the platform, uh, give us an idea of the challenges and um, what your goals are. I know that's a lot to open up with, but I figured <laughs> why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, Um yeah, we started our journal, uh focused on the artist. It was a different name, you know, back in 2012. Um, but we focused on the artist initially. And then when we got into the New Museum's incubator program, uh, we decided to focus on the collector. And then from the collector, we positioned ourselves with a focus On behind the scenes at the gallery. And it was in 2015 when dealers said, you know, we really only care about sales, that we then said, okay, if that's the case, then we're going to build the number one sales driving tool for you. Hmm. And, you know, we're like, software is the key. Uh, it's funny because people we were like, you're not going to be able to get any dealer to give you access to their inventory and to their high profile connections. And I was like, well, I mean, if you create amazing technology and they want to interface with that technology, they need to be able to leverage us as a utility. And if they think of us as such, then they're going to place their information in it. And we're going to help them, you know, obviously be very security focused and, you know, follow the data protection laws uh, so that they can feel a level of comfort in working with our solution. And what we saw is that, hey, we're, we're, we're build, leveraging the cloud uh, for our offering and we're signing up several dealers to be a part of the platform. And We're like, well, this is interesting because we actually have a network of dealers who we're working with now. And it got me thinking that, you know, dealers are essentially an intra-network, right? Everybody has their own small network that they work with. There's a bunch of pocketed intra-networks across the globe. And we're like, well, their world could do more business uh, and facilitate more connections if those networks actually spoke to each other. And we started talking about, uh, you know, building a marketplace um, for dealers to be able to engage. Uh, and then we started thinking more about, you know, how, you know, dealers have no ability to have peer-to-peer engagements when it comes to payments. And it's, it's this sort of fintech focus um, that we're excited about as, you know, Hmm. We, uh, we usher in the next wave of where art and technology will meet each other. I believe there's a strong fintech component there.
0: Interesting. Can, can you elaborate on that? The fintech component?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it begins with, you know, being able to offer tools that essentially you would, you know, go to any major bank for um, and then provide those tools to your client base which is what you know we believe that we can do and leverage with with our eternal you know we have we have a a base of clients who leverage our platform day-to-day uh and you know there's inefficiencies there's payment structure inefficiencies and things like that um within uh the art world that we see as a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm.
0: So before we talk about your clientele, I want to ask you at any point, have you considered yourself a disruptor in the art slash fintech world?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that, that term gets thrown around, you know, a lot, these like buzzword terms, um, you know, and you know, we're changing the game, which is, can be looked at as, Disrupting, I like innovating because that—that's—that's that's essentially what we're doing. We're—we're we're giving people better tools to run and operate their business, right? That's the ground floor. If people, if, you know, how how are you going to do anything if people aren't digital? And so it's about getting the getting in on the ground floor, give them tools to optimize uh, their business and be able to do what their goal is: focus on driving better sales. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, share with us who your clients are and how they use the um, technology to drive revenues.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, we have clients, uh, you know, small to blue chip uh, from, you know, clients in the, in the Lower East Side, you know, New York, like uh, your Geary Gallery or Andrew Edlin or your Natalie Karg or Miguela Brew. Um, you know, Chelsea, uh New York, such as, you know, Hauser and Berth or Bruce Silverstein, Bryce Wolkowitz, or, you know, in LA. Uh well Hauser's in LA as well. <laughs> uh, but like David Kordansky and um Philip Martin Gallery, uh Anat Ebge, um, you know, different players, you know, small to blue chip leverage our our software. So we're pretty excited and and you know several other you know tens of galleries that are leveraging what our does, dozen. The relationship aspect uh, that underpinned you know, our first offering you know to galleries is what's key. Like managing and handling your relationship is so inefficient if you're not leveraging great tools, uh, because you're doing it across several uh, pieces of software, such as you know your email. Your Excel spreadsheet, your mole skin, back of a business card—you know—you're you're managing relationship data, you know, which is the information that you're collecting around people, in various ways. And if there's no central nervous system to connect all the information and uh, enabling you to be able to leverage that uh, to be able to monetize, then you're missing the the real reason why you're you're working. And our focus has been. If we can help you prioritize what your follow-up needs to be, if we can build sales pipelining tools, if we can uh, help you understand the data behind engagements, then you can effectively understand who you need to spend time with and close more deals successfully.
0: So is this essentially like uh, uh, customer relationship management tool, CRM tool?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the... You know, we're we're now a fully verticalized tool that encompasses, you know, your CRM, client relationship management, uh, sales pipelining, data and analytics, online viewing rooms and things like that. You know, we've, we have underlying infrastructure that can power, you know, these viewing rooms that you're seeing spring up across a lot of galleries websites.
0: And your clients, do, so can
1: I assume that they all share the, the, basically the same challenges? Yeah. I mean, you know, galleries are essentially mom and pop shops for the most part, and then you know, oversized mom and pop shops <laughs> for lack of a better way to describe them. Um, you know, but your, your biggest gallery on the globe functions very mom and pop, right? And, and the challenge is, you know, when you're, when you're very people heavy, which is what most of these galleries are, you know, how do you put in processes and protocols that everybody can uh, abide by that allows you to run an efficient business and optimize your ability to drive a sale. You can only do that through technology.
0: When you first launched the platform, what were some of the most substantial challenges that you faced convincing prospects to take advantage of what you have to offer?
1: Yeah. The, the question, well, how's technology going to help me drive sales? I've been doing this for 10, 20, 30 years. I know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm sure Blockbuster knew what they're doing, and then they met Reed Hastings, and then Netflix now owns film, right? <laughs> you know, so the way how you know we were combating that was banging on a bunch of doors until until you know the first ones would open. Uh, getting the ability to understand the existing workflows and processes, so that as we build technology, we were sensitive to to the way in which. Uh, they execute it on their day and that it would feel, you know, very familiar when they're underneath the hood of our tools. Hmm. And so when you're able to provide value that they're looking for, like being able to organize my sales, right? Not waste a bunch of time, being able to do hyper-personal communication at scale, because these individuals need to send very personal emails to the 1% of 1%, right? you know, across the globe and how do, you, how do you send 100 emails to these people and feel like you're on top of every conversation? It's impossible, right? But we've built tools because you need technology uh, or else it's going to take you t- a whole day. Who wants to waste a whole eight hours emailing 100 people or two days or up towards of a week if you get interrupted, right? That, that whole process, you can build around and create Better ways to be able to, one, engage, and two, follow up, three, understand the data behind it, and four, close the deal.
0: <laughs> we spoke earlier and you mentioned that you have some new clients. If I remember correctly, it was a large auction house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been having conversations. Um, uh, with auction houses. Uh, and, you know, one of the ones that we're excited about is our relationship, um, with Phillips, you know, Phillips is, you know, arguably the third largest auction house in the, in the game. And they've, you know, when you, when you look at how, uh, most of these businesses are run, you know, it's, it's, it's labor driven on, processes uh that have been built over time um, that technology could solve for and so uh, we've been fortunate to uh be selected as a company that they would like to work with and so yeah we're pretty excited about Mm -hmm.
0: that well can you share with us any other um
1: successes that you feel we would be interesting to hear successes you know For us, it's there's some conversations that we are having, you know now um, That that are abroad and overseas that we'll be able to bring light to later Um, but you know some like large galleries who are you know looking especially in today around COVID uh, To be able to operate with a distributed workforce, right the gallery has been very tied to this brick and mortar and art fair model for a while. What do you do when that dissipates or disappears in an eight-week period? You have to find better ways and means to work. Fortunately for us, we, you know, our tools have been built day one as ones in which you can work with no matter, that don't tie you down to a physical location. You know, we wanted to be able to, if you're in the gallery, you can leverage our tools across web, iPad, iPhone. If you're at an art fair, same thing. Seamlessly move from your desktop to your mobile device. Send an offer, track it, understand engagement. Uh, If you're on a plane or a yacht, wherever you are, you can leverage our eternal to be able to get the job done. So when COVID hit, we had a number of our clients who sent us, you know, notes, you know, uh, appreciating the technology that we built and the fact that we continue to iterate. And, you know, they've essentially had a fairly seamless transition uh, into our present day COVID world.
0: Can you comment on, are you in touch with a lot of these online uh, exhibitions that are taking place right now? And if, if, if art is actually selling?
1: Yeah. So, you know, art is selling. Um, Blue chip works are selling works that were in demand are still in demand, which is a which is a positive thing. I mean, nothing's wrong with the art world at all. I think the art world is is in a great uh, position, and you know, it's just this event driven um, recession. If we're there, can use that term? Yes, you
0: can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depression soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, um, the thing the thing with with being in that you know, in this in this COVID environment is a lot of people weren't prepared for not not being able to have access to the way how how business has been done. With the fairs and the online and the and the rise in the online viewing room, you know, uh we're in touch with the clients that we have and how, you know, we've been able to push online viewing room tools for them to be able to leverage. Uh, But also it's, you know, we're starting to have conversations with some of the art fairs because it's one thing to build the body of a car. It's another thing to have the engine underneath the hood, right? These online viewing rooms are, are essentially the body of the car, right? Uh, uh, most of them do not have the back end infrastructure to provide the value that's necessary to their exhibitors right if you look at pre covid what was the value of the fair well it's an event it's an events business i galvanize people around a physical location and now the dealer does the work to engage and understand and size up you know who they need to be able to drive a sale to or build a relationship with now there's a stat that came out recently that says 75 percent of in-person face-to-face communication is body language hmm. if you let that sit in for a minute that means that three-fourths of the way how business is done you've virtually lost so you have 25 percent left over how do you account for the loss or well, you need data that is the only way you'd be able to understand engagement and how you can drive a deal forward. And that is the value that the fair now has to provide back to exhibitors. You got to provide data. And what is that data? Um, Well, it's what, I mean, essentially e-commerce is now, is now what the art world needs to become. Right. Um, So you can think of most of the e-commerce players, like Amazon knows everything about their buyers. They have their physical locations. It's a beautiful use case. They have their physical book location. And then they also have their online books, et cetera, and accessories, et cetera, location. And then they have their online business. It's a beautiful marriage. And the art world, thankfully, uh, now understands, because being forced to understand, you know, change is hard, right? But, but when you through circumstance, like we have now, you know, change is coming. Um, it's a lot of things happening outside the art world where change is coming as well. Um, but you know, when you look at, uh, the, the, the marriage that Amazon has done, I think the art world can learn a lot. Um, and that's what we're hoping to bring to the game. And it's like, well, you know, post COVID digital is still going to be here. And how do we help you have that same marriage between your brick and mortar and your, and your digital footprint? so that you can understand who's engaging, who's coming into my online room, How long are they spending? What are they looking at? How do I remarket or how do I retarget them? E-commerce businesses are very uh, proficient at this. And that's how you drive a sale.
0: So body language has been transformed. So body language is now how many times they view an image how long they view it.
1: Yeah. What are they liking, favoriting, clicking on? Right.
0: That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I love technology. Not as much as I loved art, but I do love tech. <laughs> and it's brilliant that you were able to combine art, tech, and finance. Mm-hmm. And, and, and prior to your brain um, discovering this, potential, innovation, what were you focused on?
1: Yeah, um, in my startup career. (laughs) Yes. I'm just curious how you segued to this. Yeah, it was funny. Um, You know, first, uh, I I was a part of a startup hedge fund, um, you know, back in like uh, 2009. Um, And then the market tanked. Uh, and you know we were about putting together a hedge fund. Me and a couple couple other guys were working on it. Um, we had the strategy, and then the market tanked. Uh, and then I decided to fund my first like full tech startup that was connecting homeowners and quality contractors. And it's still a problem that <laughs> needs to be solved today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you,
0: Angie's list uh-huh. and all those that keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And so at the end of that, uh, cause I, I love creative stuff and uh, you know, I was filming before and afters for some of our contractors who are a part of our website that we had built out. And One of the contractors was like, hey, I know that you dissolved the company, but you know, what are you you going to be consulting or doing anything? He's like, you know, I got this property that I'm about to, you know, demolish. Do you want to film the before and the after? I'm like, perfect, let's do it. Um, And so, uh, I love playing around with editing tools and creating and shooting film and editing and stuff like that. Uh, I don't have time to do that anymore, but uh, that that was just fun. And so, I I I was in the midst of doing that. And I met one of my friends uh, in the summer of 2012, and uh, she was working uh, in in what in Toronto at, the, at this particular time on Bay Street, in, you know, similar to like Wall Street in New York. And she was done with like her corporate life, and she's like, "I'm going to become an artist full time." And I said, "Wow, this is like crazy. Uh, <laughs> can I come see your studio?" Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, she doesn't have this figured out yet. And she's like, yeah, sure. When you want to come by? I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. She's, she's serious. And I went to the studio and I was just like, how are people, people? I didn't knew nothing about the art world. I was like, people are going to come in here and buy this work. Are you going to be able to pay your rent? And she was just like, yeah. And I was just like, you need tech tools. And, that, and then I went down a rabbit hole uh, from huh. to where I am today, <laughs> building industry leading tools with our journal. Far removed from our artist focus, but yeah, what a great space to be in, though. You know,
0: you get <laughs> yeah, to work with yeah. uh, the quants as well as the artists. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Building algorithms
0: and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Plus, you you understand it, so that's always key. Yeah, you, you know which questions sure. to
1: ask. Yeah, exactly.
0: So this has been a great conversation, and we should probably wind down. But so let's talk about post COVID. Yeah, You know, you have technology that was an effective tool in the past, more effective in the present, in the future. Well, art institutions, galleries, auction houses, etc. Post-COVID, do you think they'll be more dependent on technology or as dependent? Or do you think that that will wane because people will start to go to, you know, huge shows again?
1: I really think that it's going to be a different environment when we emerge from COVID and the destruction that it, it left. But there's also a silver lining there where, you know, technology is, you know, finally getting uh, its due. You know, technology companies have been here uh for you know a minute in the space, you know, different varying degrees of them. Um uh but uh where we see it is look, there's going to be a hybrid and it's understanding what that sweet spot is for your business. You know, they say it takes, I think, 21 days to form a habit. And so if that's the case, we're going to be well deep into it 12 to 18 months from now. Right. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're going to have to make your business a digital business for, you know, 12, 18, 24 months And then as people start to emerge, you know, nobody's going to jump right into it head first, right? People are going to sit on the sidelines and see how things are. And then they're going to emerge kind of like, you know, the dawn of spring (laughs) and where you see the animals, any animal that's creeping out of a hole is looking left and right and doing it gingerly. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be a lot of that. (laughs) There'll be a lot of that before you find people congregating the way how they were uh, at freeze at basel at the armory show at expo chicago you know etc and just being on the circuit right um and so what are you going to do in the meantime it's you know you're going to learn how you can be effective in a, in a digital environment and we're here you know to be able to support that
0: great well arternal i love the business model i love the innovation and um it's corny for me to say you should feel proud, but I'm going to say you should feel very smart uh, because you're ahead of the game. Sounds like you're ahead of the game. Thanks. Because you were in the game before <laughs> the virus hit. Right. So, yeah. you know, unbeknownst to you and everyone else, your technology has become a, a vital tool for these these organizations now. Um, well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. And, and- Uh, giving me a platform to tell a part of our story which
0: oh for sure i mean i i love tech and i think it's really important for people to understand its role in in different industries and this conversation i was trying to take it back you know take it down to uh layman talk as as much as we could and and you and you did a good job of it and a real signal that your approach is smart is that you have all size businesses uh, considering it and taking advantage of it. So, mm-hmm. wow. and, well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you as well. <laughs> Definitely. You take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.